Exhale, I said, hey, yo. So glad you guys are here. I don't feel like screaming today. I don't feel like screaming today. Hey, 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 yo. You're like, yo, hey, who saw the crumble cookie reel that we did? No, did you guys saw that on Instagram? They reached out to me. I'm just playing. No, they did it. Can you imagine? Oh, the Marty Party Pack would be crazy. I don't, I don't really know what kind of flavors I would do, but I don't know. Where's past Ariel? Is she, is she here? What kind of flavor would you put in a crumble cookie pack? Oh, just, uh, just a classic sugar cookie. I think mine would have, oh, a, a polka dottie? Oh, my gosh. We need to make this real. I need everybody to send them an email tonight. Tonight. Well, I just want to welcome some of you guys that it's your first time. I know there's some of you here. So glad you are here at Excel. I am super jazzed. I'm so jazzed, and I knew that you were coming, so I wanted to look really nice, and I went and got a haircut just for you, okay? You should have seen what I looked like before. Whoa, okay? Just playing, but not really. Last week, we talked about being what like Jesus? Being lit like Jesus, being the light to the people around us. Tonight, I just want to dive right into it, all right? Can we just go? Y'all ready to go? Can I get a whoa? <laughs> I love it. Tonight's title is By Any Means Necessary. By Any Means Necessary. I encourage you, if you have not already, take out your notebook, your pen, or your tablet, or whatever it is that you're going to take notes on. Because I believe that when God speaks, it's something to write down. Amen? It's literally what the Bible is. If you didn't bring your Bible today, we got one in the sky. It's called the Sky Bible. But I want to read Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to give you a second to pull it up. When you find it, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, just give me a, your, oh, I am hearing some. If you need a little bit more time, say, hold on. Okay. <laughs> uh, those were all junior highs. No, <laughs> I love that. Let's read it. You'll see it on the Sky Bible. If you don't have a Bible, this is the Sky Bible. Throw it up there. Here we go. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Talking about Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching, who is he? Jesus. The word to them. Nice little service. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Everybody say four. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Who is him? We're talking about Jesus. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, this is Jesus talking to the paralyzed guy that just came for the roof. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. 
And he rose, period. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Everybody say, wow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that these words on on this page, Lord, they're not dead. But they're speaking to us. You're speaking to us. And I pray, God, tonight that if anything be made famous, it would be your son, Jesus. That if any words are spoken, Lord, that they would be from your heart, Lord. Uh, We need your help tonight to understand your word. Let your Holy Spirit come and invade our space. In Jesus' name, everyone says, all right, everybody needs at least one, like, day one ride or die friend. Right? That friend who will always have your back in any situation, if they can't ride with you until the very end, then you know what? It's a wrap. They're just going to be with you forever. Can, can, can everybody right now think about like their day one? Like that's, that's your boy. That's your girl. I, when I think of like day ones, like just a, a dynamic duo, I think of, uh, Dominic Toretto and Brian O'Connor. If you don't know who that, you don't know who that is? I think, of the, I think of the homies from Fast and the Furious. I think of Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think of Pastor Ariel and Dottie, right? Somebody name, name a dynamic duo. Just start throwing them out. Tom and Jerry. What else? Mario and Luigi. Batman Robin. <laughs> SpongeBob and Patrick. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy and Pastor Joey and the city of Chicago. That's what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a dynamic duo. What was that? <laughs> I don't even listen. I don't know. Peanut butter mayonnaise sandwiches. No, I'm just playing. I've got I got I have the pleasure of I've I've got some ride or die guys in my life, right? I've got my my buddies from basic training, my soldiers that are like train killers, like they're hardcore. And then I got my brothers. My brothers, most of the time, they're the ones getting me in trouble. And then they kind of like don't get in trouble because I'm the one that just happened to actually do what we weren't supposed to do. Any siblings like that, you're just an instigator. You're like, hey, you should go do that. And then you just watch your sibling get in trouble and you just sit there. Yeah, yeah. All of you need Jesus, okay? It's not right. I'm a middle child. Any middle child? Any middle? Any middle? Yeah! Yeah, we need that attention because we're, we're the middle child. Pastor Joe, are you a middle? You're not a middle. Are you middle? You're, you're a third? Yeah, so, you know, you're, he's kind of on the lower end. You know, mom's favorite, dad's favorite. I'm not, okay? Somebody, so we all kind of have those day ones in our lives, those people that are just with us. You could call them. Call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, Jonathan Eliota is the only one that finished that. That's amazing. This story, this story in Mark 2 of a paralyzed man who had four ride-or-die friends, day ones. This story to me is like one of the most hood stories in the Bible. And I say that because these guys heard that Jesus was in town. And since Jesus had the reputation of like doing miracles, let me just break down the story for you. They decided to take their friend and like, destroy somebody's property for their friend. Like, that's illegal. No, don't do that. Don't be doing that. Don't destroy public property or someone's property. This is amazing. This is a moment that they're like, we need to take this guy to meet Jesus so that they can, so he can be healed by Jesus. I wonder how that conversation went. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes, I told you guys, when I read the Bible, I ask a lot of questions. 
I'm like, how did that go? Did they just wake up one day or like, hey, man, get up? I can't. Like, oh, yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Awkward. Uh, hey, man, we're going to carry you to go see Jesus. Is that all right? Do you got anything planned today? You going anywhere? You're not. Okay. Uh, my bad. Again. Do you imagine? Like, this is kind of, this is a, this is an interesting story. You got these guys that all four guys just bust up in his house. Hey, yo. Grab that, grab that, grab his leg, grab his arm, we're going. And this guy's like, what's going on? Where are you taking me? Like, and I can just imagine this, this moment, like, or was it a call? Like, can you imagine taking that phone call? Am I doing nothing, just chilling, just laying down? <laughs> Sorry, enough of the paralyzed jokes. Hey, man, you busy? Nah. All right, we're going to come get you. We heard somebody's in town. I just think it's, I just think it's interesting. I kind of would just wonder. That has nothing to do with the message, but I asked myself that question. I wonder how that conversation went. All we know is this, that when they got to the spot Jesus was at doing what Jesus does best, and that's preaching the word, it was packed. It was a packed house. Kind of like tonight. It's packed. I love it. It's packed. Look at, look at it in verse 2 of Sky Bible. It says this, And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Couldn't get in. Packed. Like IHOP on Christmas morning. Just packed. Who has that tradition? Does anybody go to IHOP on Christmas? It's, I, don't know, I guess it's, it's a Missouri thing. Okay, you used to do it. All right, AJ's birthday. Done. We're going to IHOP. I, my family likes to go to IHOP on Christmas morning, like while everybody else. But some reason in Missouri, everybody goes to IHOP to where they have to close early because they just, they just can't feed people. It's packed. Right? Can you imagine? How about this? Because I know y'all be in the locker rooms at school and stuff. Like, you know when, like, people are hot, sweaty. You know, you start to, you know what I'm saying? You start to smell something, right? And you start to smell certain people. You're like, Axe body spray is not a shower, okay? You know what I'm saying? That's a word for somebody here. They couldn't get in. Normal people, normal people would have, like, left, right? I don't like waiting in lines. So, like, when I go to a restaurant and there's a lot of people there, you can ask past Ariel. I'm like, all right, let's go find somewhere else, right? If we're at Disney or Universal Studios and there's like a two-hour wait, nah, can't do it. Who has waited more than two hours for a ride? That's crazy to me. That's, you spend your whole day. You will spend 10 hours, right, at one of these theme parks and wait in line for six of them. I don't understand. I don't do it. I, don't, I think, Pastor Ariel, we waited in line, what, four-something hours one time? What? For the Avatar ride, uh, yeah, at Animal Kingdom. It was nuts. We were so, it's one of those things where you get, you get so far into the line, you're, like, in the middle of it, and you're like, man, like, if I turn back, I waited all that time, but, but I don't want to be here anymore. Your legs start hurting, start leaning up against the wall. You start eavesdropping on everybody else's conversation. You know, you start seeing people. What's that game? You see people. This, is, this has nothing to do with the message. But you see people doing, yeah, you see this, right? And, like, you feel bad because you don't have the game, so you start playing it with them, but low-key. Like, if they get it wrong, you're like, bro, obviously it's this. I mean, what you doing, man? They don't know. Right? You start competing with them. I know Gio's done this because I know he's competitive. I know for a fact he's beaten so many people at heads up, and they don't even know that he beat them. Right? <laughs> right? So you see people waiting in line. I just don't want to wait in line because it starts to smell and all that stuff. I want to leave. Like, Pastor Ariel, I really want to ride this ride. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I want to leave. Oh, I really want to eat here. No, I don't. 
I want to go. But, but she's like, no, we're going to eat here. And I'm like, okay. As a good husband, I say, okay. Right? But these weren't like, like normal friends. These weren't like, these weren't casual friends. Right? Like, what, what's, what's a, a casual friend to this guy? Oh, you, yeah, sure. You want, I mean, do you have an answer? Yeah, you ain't tight. Yeah, you're not close. It's like, here's, here's one thing. And I might just say this, whatever, you can find me. It's the ones that say, I'll pray for you and don't. That's a casual friend. Casual friend is more concerned about what they get out of the friendship than what they can give. That's a casual friend. Casual friend only hits you up when they need something. All right, that's, that's a casual friend. Those are the people that they're not going to ride with you. All right, they're not your day one. They just, just somebody that you know. I'm not saying those people... God loves those people and Jesus is going to, you know, they need Jesus. But what I'm saying, I'm talking about these guys aren't just those dudes. Like casual friends, they don't do this. These are, these are, these are day ones. These weren't, these guys weren't going home with Jesus without Jesus seeing their friend. They weren't going to leave. They were going to be there all day. They were going to wait hours to see Jesus, to make sure Jesus sees their friends. So they decided to do what only real ones do. When they couldn't get through the door, they made a way. They're like, you know what? I know a shortcut. You know what? If there is no way, we're going to find a way and deal with the legal actions later. Okay? Like, we're going to get our friend to see Jesus. They made a way. So these, these fools, they, they get their friend. They show up to the house. They show up to the crib, and they're like, this place is packed. It smells on the inside. So you know what we're going to do? Let's go on the outside. Let's take the stairs up to the roof. And you know what? Let's just make a hole. Let me tell y'all something. You show up to my house and you, dig, you, you start tearing up my roof, we're going to have some problems. This is not okay. Can you imagine the owner watching this go down? Because it wasn't just like a breach charge, and like, boom, explosion, there's a hole, right? This was like, they had to do some work. Can you imagine the homeowner stuck inside, trying to get outside to see what these guys are doing, right? It was crowded. I can only imagine, not my house. So they start tearing up this roof. I love this. And they're like, all right, now what? All right, we're going to lower you. And the dude's like, what? He's like, all right, we're going to lower you. You're going to what? Like, we're going to tie ropes and we're just going to drop you. He's like, no, don't drop me. He's like, no, you know what I mean. We're just going to lower you. Right? So now all of a sudden, they, this, this house has a, a sunroom. It's got a skylight. It's beautiful. The, the value of the house just went up a few hundred grand. I love it. Hey, they should be like, you're welcome, homeowner. We just upped your value. And they lowered this guy down to Jesus. This is... This is crazy. This is one of my favorite stories just because of how wild it is. But these aren't just casual friends. They're saying we're going to get our friend to Jesus by any means necessary. God is calling you not to be a casual friend, but to be a faithful friend. Okay, how do we become faithful friends? By understanding this. You're one point. Everybody say one point. One point. Everybody knows the rules. Is this. How do we become a faithful friend? By understanding this. Your example affects more than your existence. Your example affects more 
than your existence. They were willing to bring their friend to Jesus by any means necessary. Notice Mark 2, 5. Listen, it says that when Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. He told the paralyzed man his sins were forgiven. Like, did you catch that for a second? It wasn't the paralyzed man's faith. It, it wasn't, he didn't get lowered down singing, hallelujah. Like he didn't go down singing goodness to God. He was like, I wonder what his, his heart was and his mind was and his attitude was. I kind of wish the Bible went into detail uh, about that. I wonder how he felt about this moment. I wonder if he was embarrassed. I, I wonder if he felt a little awkward that he just got lowered from somebody's roof. I just wonder how he was feeling. But all we know is that by the faith of his friends, Jesus responded to him. Their faith didn't just lead to their friend getting healed, but his eternity is now shifted to salvation. Jesus says, like, your sins are forgiven before his healing from his friends. There wasn't an altar call. There wasn't Pastor Jason back there playing the keys like he does. So good. There wasn't a band. There weren't lights. It was just belief. They heard about who Jesus was, and they're like, if, if that's true, we need to get our buddy there. We need to get our friend to Jesus. They were public with their faith. And because of the, their example of faith, their friend has a moment with Jesus that changed everything. Listen to that. Because of their faith, their friend had a moment with Jesus that changed everything. See, your example affects more than your existence. Meaning this, it's the way you handle yourself. At school, out and about. The way you carry yourself. It doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. Whether I like it or not, the example I set doesn't just affect me. It affects Dottie. It does. All my parents in here know that your kid is like a what? A sponge. Everybody see. They already knew what I was saying. And whether we, whether we like it or not, right? They just pick up on it. Parenting like, this is, this is the best example that I can think of. I had other stories, but I was like, no, this is perfect. Because, like, I don't mean to affect Dottie in, in negative ways. Like, most of the time, it's positive. Most of the time, I'm like, you know, seeing the ABCs. I, I preach the gospel to her every night because sometimes she just needs to get saved because we get on my nerves, right? It's like, just go to sleep in Jesus' name. About to carry you to Jesus, right? Think about that. I'm like, no matter what I do, they start doing. Like, Pastor Joey, I love that every Sunday he likes to talk about his girls. And he, I think you apologize for it. He's like, like no, we're gonna, he's going to talk about his girls every Sunday if that's what he wants to do, right? Because they're amazing, right? And he tells stories that he's told me, like, there's some moments that they do things that, like, he didn't teach them. They just, they just pick up. They're like, who taught you that? Tell me so I could know. <laughs> and that's why he's very careful with like who takes care of his girls. Because he, he understands that their example doesn't just affect their existence. It affects the girls. And so like you need to understand that the example that you set, 
The example, the way you handle and carry yourself, it affects the people around you. My example affects Dottie. My example influences her. There are friends in your world that are affected by whether you, by, affected by you whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not. Do your actions show them Jesus? Do your actions show them Jesus? Does your example show them the love and grace of Jesus? Tonight, I'm calling you to bring your friends to Jesus. This is me calling you to do it. The ones who are sick, the ones who are lost, the ones who are hurting, and the ones who can't help themselves, as we see in this story. They can't walk. They need to be carried. I'm calling you tonight to live by example. I'm calling you to be more than a casual friend. I'm calling you to be a faithful friend because your example affects more than your existence. It affects everyone around you. You see, bringing your friends to Jesus by any means necessary will mean trying and failing and choosing to try again. Like, look how they tried the front door. Can't get in? Let's try another way. Let's get to the roof. Let's find a window. Let's find the back door. That, that's a faithful friend. It will mean facing rejection, but risking it all because you know the one who can meet any need. You know that person. That person is Jesus. What does a faithful friend mean for you? It'll mean extra work, more thought, and compassionate action. When you practice your faith at this level of love and intention, being in, intentional with how you do life with people, God performs miracles. Your example affects more than your existence. These four guys weren't concerned about how they looked, about what people would say. They had a friend that was sick, and that's it. They had a friend that needed help, and they heard about a guy that could do it. It was a no-brainer to them. Like, do you see that? Do you catch that? It's a no-brainer. They didn't have a second thought. Jesus is in town? Bet. Let's go get him. It was a no-brainer. I love it. You see, they had a friend that was sick, and that was it. There was nothing in it for them. There was no glory. There was no trophy. It was just out of the love and compassion in their hearts. Earlier, I mentioned how that conversation went. You know, how you, maybe it was a phone call. I like to think that it was out of this. Hey, man, I know we've tried stuff. I know you're sick and tired of the doctors trying to figure it out. I, I, I know, but, but I heard about somebody that can change your life. Can we just take you to him just one more time? One more time. He does miracles. Can we take you? Can we take you? I just, I just think that there's so much compassion and so much love for their friend here. Like I said, it was just a no-brainer to them. Jesus is in town. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to make this happen. See, the paralyzed man's need moved his friends to action. Tell me this, do the needs of the people around you move you to action? When you see the needs of people, does it move you or are you numb to it? Because when we move in action, God moves in miracles. When we move in action, God moves in miracles. Their faith moved Jesus to perform a miracle. How often do you move in response to the needs of your friends? How often do you go out of your way to make way for others to come to know Jesus? Can I have the band come up? 
as we get ready to close. What we have in Jesus, this relationship, those of us who know Jesus, what we have, this freedom, this joy, this goodness, it's too good to not share. It's too good to not share with everyone around us by any means necessary. So if not you, then who? Who's going to do it? If not now, then when? Because the Bible clearly says tomorrow's not promised to us. If not now, when? If not you, then who? Why wait for four other people? You be one of the four. See a need. Fill a need. Do something about it. You never know. You never know when that person's time in this world is up. Your faith can help save someone and change their eternity. This can't happen unless the love of Jesus is in your heart. And that love of Jesus shines and shows through the way that you love people. Do you love them enough to bring them to Jesus? Because you know that they're sick. You know that they're hurt. You know that they're tired. And you know that they can't help themselves. Don't be a casual friend. Be a faithful friend. Bring them to Jesus. Be the example that affects not just your existence, but theirs. I have Pastor Joey here, and as he comes up, I wanted him to close out the night and just finish altar because I know that this, this subject hits home with him with what's happened recently. So, Pastor Joey, do you want to come? Hey, Excel. Those of you who don't know me, I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Belmont. Uh, before that, about four months ago, I was the uh, youth pastor here at Excel for 13 years. And then before that, I was a volunteer leader at Excel. And before that, I was a student. Excel was my youth ministry for 22 years, just like mo older than most of your leaders. And I've seen a lot. I've been a part of a lot. I've gone through lots of highs and lots of lows. The thing about youth ministry, though, is that it's finite in that there's an ending to it. You graduate. I always say youth ministry is one of the hardest ministries because my congregation flips over every four to six years. Just a completely different group of people. And because of that, you have to take advantage of every opportunity that you have. The problem and the paradox of that is that as a teenager, you feel like you got all the time in the world. You feel like, I just do that when I'm older. I, you know, right now I want to enjoy myself. I want to have fun. And then when I get older, you know, I'll get serious about God or I'll give my life to God. Because right now, I just want to do me. I just want to enjoy what I have to enjoy. And later on, maybe when I start a family or if I get married and I have kids, like, then I'll start to get serious about God. And the thing I've tried to reiterate over and over again because of the experience that I've had is that there is no guarantee of getting older. And that's never something that God promised. See, the truth is, we will all be immortal. Everybody lives eternally. The question is where you spend that eternity. 
And as believers, we know that the gospel and its truth says that anyone who comes through me, meaning Jesus, not Pastor Joey, but anyone who comes through Jesus and accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior has a ticket, a guarantee to be in paradise with him, to have heaven. Now, some people may look at that and go, but that just seems like it's too easy. Yes, accepting it is easy. Purchasing it was hard. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for that easy gift that we have to accept. There was a price that was paid. And we just get to benefit off of that price. But the Bible also reminds us, how can they know unless someone tells them? Now, there has to be an opportunity. Like, like there's, if, if you had a, a, a free gift card, but no one ever gave it to you, it doesn't matter, right? If I'm like, yo, I got a million-dollar gift card, it's like, sweet, where is it? Oh, I don't know. Like, at some point, I got to give it to you if you're going to cash it in. At some point, somebody's got to tell you where it is. What good is it if you tell me, oh, bro, last week, I forgot. I had this concert ticket for you. It was your favorite artist. It's like, what happened? Oh, I just forgot. And too often, because of life and because of things that go on, we just kind of forget. And too often, we forget until it's too late. And uh, a few months ago, one of my former students, who's here tonight, Remy, he contacted me and he said, hey, Pastor Joey, um, my younger brother's really going through a difficult time right now. He had um, kind of a near-death experience where he almost OD'd on some stuff and um, really got scared. He wants to talk with you. I said, absolutely, let's do it. And so he came to my office, very nervous, very jittery. We talked for a while. And uh, the one thing I told him is, the problem with wake-up calls is if when you get a wake-up call, you don't get up, you can easily fall back asleep. A lot of us, we get in those moments like, oh, man, I got to get my life together. And that's a wake-up call. But if you don't get up and do something about that, you fall right back asleep. And so I said, hey, if you really want to get on with their best life, then it starts with having a relationship with Jesus. Do you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus? And in my office, he said, yes. And right there, I walked him through the steps. Like I said, very easy. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved. In that moment, he said yes to Jesus. And then he began to work on it. He started coming to Excel, started trying to read his Bible, started listening to some worship music that I would send him. Wasn't perfect. We'd go back and forth in text. He'd tell me, man, I'm really struggling today. I'd write back, you got this, dude. Don't worry about it. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Just keep moving forward. Like a month later, I got a text. Hey, man, Pastor Joey, I'm sorry, but I wasn't just using. I, I, was, I was selling, and I know that's not right, and I know God wants me to do something about that. What should I do? Should I give it to my friend? I was like, no, don't give it to your friend. That's not good. I said, just get rid of it. Just throw it away. You don't owe nobody money, right? He's like, no, I don't owe anybody money. So just throw it away. And then one of his friends at Excel, one of his four guys, drove him, picked him up. And I kind of laughed at him. I was like, you realize you were driving around in the car with drugs, right? He's like, oh, my God, I didn't think about that. But he drove him, and right on the side of the street while it was raining, he took about $2,000 worth of drugs and just threw it down the sewer. And he sent me the video with the text that said, this is for God. So I saw the change in his life. And then about three weeks ago, I had the privilege and the honor of baptizing him. Matter of fact, we were supposed to baptize him a month before, but the baptismal tank broke. 
and we had to postpone. And I was nervous that maybe he wouldn't do it because he was always kind of a shyer person. And so I'm like, oh, snap, what if he doesn't want to do it the next go around? But sure enough, he was there. He was excited. He was happy. He wanted to be faithful and honoring to God. And I was able to baptize him. And then this past Monday, unfortunately, he was involved in an accident and the Lord took him home. And this is hard, especially for those of you in this room who knew Nick. It's hard to understand or to grapple with why, which is almost always the question, why God? And some of these things I think are only things that God can really answer in himself. But one of the things you have to understand is death isn't a bad thing to God. Death is a way he comes home, those that are his. See, the bad thing is while we're alive, not giving anyone an opportunity to have that. The only joy I can really see out of something as tragic as this is the confidence of knowing where Nick is now. Because he had a brother like Remy. He had a friend like Pablo. He had leaders that came alongside him. He had guys that took every corner of that mat and cut that hole in the roof and said, hey, I'm going to get you to Jesus. And then Jesus brought him home. I'm saying that because whether you understand it or not, there's a Nick in your life right now that you have no idea how soon their time may come. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Matter of fact, I believe tonight that there is somebody that God's putting on your heart that even when this is over, God is going to tell you, hey, I want you to call them and I want you to tell them now. I want you to let them know. Worst they can do is say no to you and they're not even saying no to you. The best they can do is say yes to the greatest invitation they'll ever have. And so here's what I'd like us to do if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want us to take a few minutes tonight to pray for those individuals that God has placed on the mat in front of us. And I want you to know before we get into all of this, for those of you in this room who knew him, I'm going to make some time afterward to be available. I'd love to talk with you, hug you, just sit there with you in the process. Nothing I can say that's going to make this feel better. It hurts, and God gives us room to grieve in that pain. But at the same time, whenever a tragedy like this happens, especially with the youth pastor's heart, it makes me dig my feet in and realize that what you do in this room, and I can say this confidently, what you do in and through what God is doing with this group is so much more important than anything you'll ever do with your life. Anything you could ever do with your life. I don't care if you become a professional athlete. I don't care if you grow up to cure cancer. I don't care if you, there is nothing on this earth that you can do that is going to be more impactful than the opportunity you're going to have to usher someone into the presence of God. Because you can cure cancer, the body's still going to die one day. Right? You can heal somebody from addiction, but they're still going to die from something one day. It doesn't matter what we're set free of on this earth if we're not set free eternally afterward. And you 
with all your mistakes and all your issues and all your baggage, you still have the one thing that they need, a relationship with God. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to pray for that, but I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to talk to your heart for a moment because you might be Nick tonight. You might have been putting this whole thing off. Maybe you've just been coming to Excel, kind of checking it out, not sure if you believe in God or not. Not sure if you want to follow this whole Christian thing because you're worried about all the things that you might have to give up. That is nothing in comparison to what you gain in a relationship with God. And I came here tonight specifically to make sure that every individual in this room who has ears to hear will listen to what I'm saying. That Jesus loves you with an unimaginable love and that he paid a high price so that he can have a relationship with you and give you eternal life. And eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts tonight. It's a life that is better lived because it's lived with Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, tonight is your night. If you doubt, go ahead and answer. Tonight is your night to know without a shadow of a doubt. God, I'm not promised tomorrow, so today I surrender my life to you. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that if anything were to happen, I would be in your blessed arms. I want the confidence of knowing I'm walking with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand? And I want to lead you in that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else says that's me? Thank you, bro. Thank you, young lady. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to know that I'll be able to see my friend again. I want to know that I'll be able to be where God has called me to be. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Anyone else? Leaders, I'm going to ask you to line up up here for me if you can. And if you raised your hand, would you do me a favor? And I, I hope that you don't feel awkward about this, but this is really from a good place. No one else looking around. Don't worry about anybody else. But if you raised your hand, would you make your way out of your seat and just come in front of one of these leaders? And they're going to walk you through that prayer. They're going to explain afterward what that all meant. So come on, go ahead and step out of your seat. You can do it. You're good. Come on, if you lifted up your hand, step out. Step out. Come on, bro. Now's not the time to hesitate. Even if you didn't lift your hand, but you know you need to be up here, just come on up. Amen. All right, I'm going to lead these people in a prayer. Now, ladies, there's no, this isn't a magic chant. This isn't like voodoo or anything, okay? The Bible says the power is in faith. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved. Now, there's a lot after that, okay? Everything doesn't get figured out in this moment. This is the beginning of a life, not the end of your life. And so we just want to be able to pray for that, okay? So I'm going to ask the whole church, all of you in this room, would you just repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I thank you, God, for allowing me this opportunity to repent of my sins, to make myself clean in you, and to accept you 
as my Lord and Savior. I ask you, God, to remember me and keep me in your arms now until forever. Help me, God, to love you the way you love me and to have a relationship with you the way you desire to have a relationship with me. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, leaders, if you can do me a favor, if you could just step out for a second with some of the people and kind of walk them through what this all meant, just those next step portions. The rest of the leaders, you could stay up here and just turn around and face me. Students, there's a nick in your life. Spoke with Remy about this yesterday. And I hope, I want to reiterate this, Remy, because I want this to be of some significance to you. There was nothing you could have done in the situation, but everything you did before, I believe, saved his soul. And it's because you were willing to pick up that corner of your mat. Don't doubt that part. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of that. That is an amazing glory. And it is the security of knowing that you will see him again because of that. But who's the nick in your life? Who's the individual in your life that God has placed on your heart for such a time as this? Someone that only you know, someone that God has uniquely placed for you. I want you to close your eyes just one more time and I want you to think about that. It might be more than one. It might be two or three people in your life. It might be a brother or, or a cousin or a sister or a nephew or an aunt, an uncle, your mother, your father, classmate, someone you play sports with. Anyone who doesn't know Jesus that's in your life is your Nick. But I want you to really think about this. Somebody you say I love, somebody you call a friend. How can you look them in the eye, say you love them and call them a friend and then be too scared and cowardly to tell them about the greatest hope you have in your life? And once you picture that person, when you have them in your mind, I'm going to ask you to join us at the altar over here.